It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no, but angel hair pasta. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. This is the Hockey News Podcast. It's the Hockey News Podcast, uh, presented by Ben and Jim McKenney Hockey. Now, Ryan, we had a very interesting day of Leafs uh, season-ending availabilities yesterday. Um, you know, like Sheldon Keefe spoke, the player spoke, Kyle Dubas went up there. And, you know, whether or not he comes back uh, to Toronto, um, he said there is going to be change. And we have the first shoe has dropped mm-hmm. um, because seconds after he walked off the podium, uh, I think it was the extension of the news that everyone was expecting. Vyacheslav Peksa signed right. a three-year entry-level contract, um, and, uh, and off we go, nice. I'd say, into the offseason. Right. Crazy stuff. Um, so, yeah, basically, I think, Ryan, this is going to be a postmortem and preview uh, type of episode here where we essentially are going to be mourning the loss of, of uh, teams that have now, unfortunately, passed away. They were gunned down in their prime yep. uh, in the playoffs. And then we will be pre- pre- uh, previewing the conference final series. Let's start, though, um, I guess, with the, with the great segue that I did off the top of the show, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. I, who I have, maybe I would say, like the most drama-filled offseason uh, um, of at least the teams that have been eliminated now. Mm-hmm. What do you think uh, is going to happen? What did you think of yesterday? Uh, give me your thoughts. Yeah, I tend to be conservative when it comes to roster management. And I think I said this last week on the podcast, you know, like Washington, it took like 13 years of the Ovechkin era for them to win a cup. And I know that, you know, the patience isn't there in Toronto, whether internally or externally for that. But it feels like this is a group that just needs some tweaks. Now, Mm -hmm. the big question I would say is, is Sheldon Keefe the coach to get them there? That's going to be a very big decision for Kyle Dubas to make, assuming he is coming back as GM. Um, Because otherwise, you look at the roster, and, I mean, it was a very good roster. And, you know, again, little improvements where, you know, like a a healthy Matthew Nyes in that series, um, you know, plus... 82 games of regular season experience, yeah. uh, you know, heading into next year's playoffs, I think helps quite a bit. I, I do think that one flaw in the dubis Keefe era has been um, player development, particularly in terms of not trusting young defensemen. Uh, and mm. I recognize part of that was, you know, we have to win now. We, we have to get out of the first round. So you look at Travis Dermott, Rasmus Sandin, and Timothy Lilligren, you know, the first two dealt away. uh, And then Rasmus Sandin was fantastic for the Capitals down the stretch. I think he had 15 points in 19 games. Something like that. It was crazy. Um, And he killed a guy in the World world Championship. He almost ended David Reinbacher's career before it ended. Uh, Fortunately, it seems like it's not a major injury for David Reinbacher, so he'll probably still be the first defenseman taken. Um, Oof, I've seen some. I've seen some mock drafts that would surprise you. There, yeah, there are takes. <laughs> we'll have to see. Yes. Um, but in Lilia Grant, it, it really looks like he's going to be more of a mobile mm-hmm. shutdown defenseman, and that's fine. Yeah. No problems there. Um, you know, 
I would bring back Luke Shen. I would try to bring back Ryan O'Reilly. Um, can you make a major trade? It's kind of funny. Like, Nylander's the obvious because his salary is so digestible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also very effective. So, yeah. you know, I mean... Maybe it's it's all too precious for me, but I would I would have tweaks. I would obviously let Justin Hall walk. Um, Opposed to Cook, as as they did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Goaltending is interesting too because Joseph Wall has obviously emerged as um, an NHL goaltender mm-hmm. already. Uh, Samsonov established himself as the starter by the end of the year, but you do have Matt Murray under contract. So what happens there? All questions for the summer. All questions for the summer. Um, so that was, for sure, I would say, the most animated, or not the most animated, the most candid mm. I've ever seen Kyle do this mm. um, in a, a media availability. Like, he's, he's, usually pretty, he's usually pretty open. Like, he'll address the reporters by name, and he'll, you know, he'll give you some good stuff. But he's never usually, like, I've never seen him that, like, emotional and that sort of, like, not... He was obviously prepared, but I mean, just sort of like raw, maybe right, in a way, right. where he was just where like he was asked point blank, like, "Do you want to come back?" And he was just like, "It's a family decision," you know. Like he's normally he would say like, "Oh, we we have to evaluate all things, I have to take all factors into account." I have to, uh-huh. and he's like, "Man, this year was really hard on my family," mm-hmm. uh, and that's like that's gonna be the biggest thing. But I thought the fact him saying that he's either going to it's either going to be in Toronto or nowhere else, he's gonna take some time off. I think that was mm-hmm. really. Interesting. I think that also gives him. I think that also is now leaning towards. I think he's he's going to come back. Like I think that this this gets hammered out. Um, he's built a lot. You know, everything that the group was saying is we believe in this group. We believe we've made progress. This, that, and other. We can talk about whether or not they have. Right. Um, but I do think that that he's coming back. What what shocked me though is and they they left it right till the end of the press conference was. You know, before it, he he, this is going from a guy who was we can and we will. I'm staking. He literally said like I'm staking my careers on these, on these players. To, mm-hmm. you know, are you guys gonna or, or have you have you given any thought to trading the core four or any of the core four, or core players at all? Yeah. And he said you know nothing's off the table. And he then he pointed to, um, the team that just eliminated them, the F- Florida Panthers. He used them as an example in his quote where he said if you look at the Florida Panthers, like they traded, they got they they got out in the second round disappointed then they traded two of their core guys for maybe a younger asset that sort of fit them better mm-hmm. and it, it, it pushed them over the top um, that's a quote that you would never get out of him in the past that's a quote even if he was thinking it he would he would be very sort of uh, uh, I would say like uh, uniform about it mm-hmm. at this point just from who I'm talking to just from uh, uh, you know the the scuttlebutt you hear I would be shocked if Mitch Marner is a Toronto Maple Leaf next year. I really, really would. I do think he's got a no-move clause that kicks in on July 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. as great as, as he was in the regular season this year, you know, Selkie nomination, one of the rare wingers to get one, um, you know, 99 points, uh, everything, he once again wilted down, uh, uh, in the playoffs. And Matthews was playing through a pretty egregious injury. You know, I'm not at liberty to say what it is, but, like, pretty egregious injury. Um, there were certain guys that were banged up. As far as I know, Mitch Marner wasn't. I'm sure he was dealing with bumps and bruises. Every hockey player plays through an injury that would incapacitate us, normal right. human beings. But like, once again, we've now seen like four or five years in a row uh, of you know when the going gets tough in the later games of the series. If you look at his scoring splits from games one and two and then beyond, basically, in every mm-hmm. series they've been, it falls off a cliff. It just doesn't seem like having this type of player making this type of money on this roster 
um, that is now going to have to, you know, like, again, with a Matthews extension that he said wants to happen. So mm. I think that's pretty much off the board at this point. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. I think that there's going to be there's going to be some big stuff that happens. Yeah. So here's a question. So say you trade Mitch Marner. Yeah. What's the return? I they will try, and I know I know it's it's you know easier said than done, but they will try and do something like Florida did last year. It's different because their stars, the the two guys they traded were older. Right. Um, but they will likely try and get like a younger. Uh, maybe more like rough and tumble guy. I don't have anyone off the top of my head that I would think who that is, but mm-hmm. I think that they Tanner would. Janelle. Yeah, let's trade a whole draft <laughs> draft class for him. Exactly. No, but like I, I I do think that they are that they're exploring that option, and I do like it. Just you, when when you have six, seven straight seasons of a guy doing the exact same thing in the exact same uh, uh, like circumstances, really, mm-hmm. you can't ignore it. Like, and I know that people like I know that the the excuses with Ovechkin, like, oh, Ovechkin, uh, uh, you know, he didn't get out of the round, but as we said, uh, he, you know, it took him, what, like 13, 14 years from the win his first Stanley Cup. Yeah. He, but he didn't wilt in the playoffs. Right. He always performed. Like, he always was the goal scorer. He always, like, you made dueling hat-tricks with Sidney Crosby. Yeah. When was the last time Mitch Marner had a dueling hat-trick battle with someone? I know that's hard to do, but, like, I'm just, it's just, a, like, an example. Right. Um, Marner breathes like blue and white. He grew up playing for the hometown team. It matters. So it's tough to see to say this mm. because I know he, he enjoys it here. You know, the, the fact that he's on my TV every friggin' second means that he's clearly benefiting from it. Yeah. Um, but it just does seem like it's time for there to be a, uh, a parting of the ways and Dubas leaving the door open for any of the core four. I mean, you look at it like I don't think he's getting rid of me later. You have a 40-goal scorer making $6.9 million. Yeah. And he has another year on his contract, too. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, or he has another, sorry, after this year, he's going into like what his, what Matthew's contract situation was last year. Um, and then you also, and then you have John Tavares who will be impossible to move. He already has a no move clause. Yeah. Um, and his kid, ju- and he, his wife just had a newborn child. So they're not going to pack up their entire life and move again. He's the captain, makes 11 million. You're not going to be able to trade that unless you're retaining salary. You're not retaining salary on your captain who's still a point per game player. Um, Austin Matthews is one of the elite stars in the league. Uh, you know, underwhelming latter half of the second round aside, he's still one of the elite stars of the league. He, scored, he was the MVP last year. He scored 60 goals. He won the Rock of Richard. Yep. Exactly. Um, you look at the, you look at it, and it's the guy who, as much as Marner is an elite talent, like you can find playmakers. It's tougher to find goal scorers. You can find playmakers, and I do think that his skill set. You take away John Tavares because I think you're able to. I think Ryan O'Reilly replaced him really. But like of the three, Nylander, Marner. And, and uh, uh, Matthews, uh, you're able to replace Marner's skill set, I think, a bit more. Um, you can make up for his his penalty killing, I think, by committee. But when it comes to, to that, so I would be I would be shocked. I and then in my in my year end column with the Leafs, I wrote that Sheldon Keefe is not the right coach for the team, and he's not. And I saw a whole series of starting the David Camp flying in the offensive zone after a, uh, after a, a TV timeout, you know, mm-hmm. or uh, uh, you know putting Justin Hall back in the top four, putting uh, Alex Kerr from the top six. And my argument, sorry to draw, draw on about this, but like my argument was that Keefe kind of replicates or emulates the, the tendencies of the team that everyone doesn't like. Whereas right. when the going gets tough, you revert to your usual comfortable mm. um, like habits, like mm. muscle memory. And for like the Leafs, it's you know overpassing like crazy, trying to find the perfect shot, mm. passing back out instead of instead of attacking that kind of stuff. For Keith, it's Kerfoot in the top six, 
hauling the top four, trying to overthink you know, uh, uh, possession by putting Camp out there uh, it, for offensive zone starts and negating the whole fact that you have a three $11 million forwards. It just doesn't seem... It just doesn't seem you can't you can't win a Stanley Cup when your coach is consistently out coached in every playoff series, despite him winning one. Um, so yeah, I, I, those are those are my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I, I and and now we have to wonder whether or not Kyle Dubas will actually let go of the guy who he is li- literally like just being clasped to through the entire time he's been in junior and then professional hockey. Very true. Very true. All right, now we have another team, and, and I, I, I'm very, this is a very interesting one to get into here because there's a lot of, you know, dissecting opinions and everything. The Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, obviously there was some very good things in this playoff Absolutely. run. Um, Evan Bouchard would be the, the biggest one for me where you say to yourself, okay, like, that's a guy that's going to do real damage consistently from here on out. And, you know, with Darnell Nurse and Matias Ekholm, um, bring you uh, obviously different kinds of games. Um, you know that Oilers defense core Looking will continue to be yeah. better than it has been in previous years, and they were kind of similar to Toronto at one point, where it's like great offense, terrible defense. But you know now the defense is getting better, and you know obviously we saw that in Toronto as well. Really, I, I think it's a matter of can they get consistent goaltending and. You know, again, you know, that Jack Campbell contract is going to be difficult uh, because he really struggled this year. Stuart Skinner was a great story for them, uh, especially in the second half of the regular season when they really needed him. Uh, playoffs was difficult, but this is a young pro. He's nominated for the Calder this year. Like, He's nominated on. for yeah. the Calder, exactly. So, I mean, what I would like to see, because the Oilers are clearly in win-now mode, and I think, you know, some of the additions they made, like Nick Bugstad, were, were really I key. really like that, yeah. It really worked out well. And, you know, they still make mistakes, mental mistakes, yes. and it really costs them against Vegas. Um, but I think if they can just upgrade in net, and we've said this for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. and, and they're going to have to probably go big. You know, if it's Connor Halebuck, if it's John Gibson, if it's like, I don't know, like even Simeon Varlamov is somebody we've talked about numerous times uh, where we didn't think the Islanders could, you know, re-sign him as a UFA. Even Varlamov can give you just that steady net minding that would be enough, I believe, when you have McDavid, Dreisaitl, and now Evan Bouchard mm. on the back end, because that power play is still going to be killer oh, it, next year. Well, that, it was the best power play of all time. Like yeah. it. it it was remarkable. That was their nuclear weapon. Yeah. So, I mean, this should be a team that contends for the Stanley Cup next year. Mm-hmm. They just need a li- they just need a little more goaltending. Absolutely. But the thing is, we have to break down here is that how do they get that goaltending? You mm-hmm. cannot move that Jack Campbell contract. He's 31 <sighs> years old coming yeah. off a a not just bad, a disastrous season. Yeah. Like like it, this isn't just a guy coming in and, you know, like uh, putting up a 901, like a Bobrovsky sort of in his yeah. bad years in, in, in Florida. And you go like, oh no, maybe we should try Spencer Knight out a bit. No, this was like, he went in net and he was unplayable. Mm. He, had, he had a seven game stretch in the middle of the season where he went on a tear that I think saved his numbers from a year long perspective. Right. But man, like when you, when you look like every time he was in the net, it was mental mistakes. And it was, it was unfortunately the thing that, that sort of, I befell him, I think, towards the end of his, his Leafs tenure was um, 
he, he's someone who spirals. You know, he's someone, right. it snowballs with him where you have a bad game, he gets in his own head, which leads to more bad games, which, mm. you know, just compounds into this terrible avalanche of, uh, of like an 860 save percentage. Yeah. And, and, and the Oilers, they already have $8.5 million on LTIR. Like they're, they're, this is, they're, they don't have a ton of money coming off the books uh, this year. Like all of the guys who are coming off the books, they're all making, the, the most that a guy who's coming off the books for them is making this year is $1.25 million. I wonder if what you do, or I mean, and this is very much like, you know, and you best to, case scenario for the Oilers is you trade them like to Chicago. Like a team with lots of cap space that's like, hey, we're not, we don't want to win right but now. But for that's another, cool. but now that they have Bedard, are you, th you think that they're willing to, like potentially, like they're gonna draft Bedard, he's gonna go into the NHL. Yeah. They're probably not gonna want to win this year, but like. Well, they won't because they have. I mean, unless they have, have a massive summer, they have but I mean, nobody to support it. But I mean, like Jack Campbell's contract runs through until 2026-27. Yeah. Do you think the like, do you think that the Chicago Blackhawks with a generational talent? And with you know guys like Lucas Reichel and, and mm -hmm. all those around, you think they're gonna be they're gonna want to have a five million dollar uh, cap hit for a guy who is gonna who might not even like they're gonna want to pay five million dollars for a guy who's not gonna play for them or is gonna be a boat. But anchor he for can them? play for them. Is yeah, what I'm saying. but like, at that Edmonton, point, yeah. Well, no, they're not gonna be good for like at least three four years. You think so? You think it's they're not gonna, gonna take a long time? They don't have anything. I know, but Connor, they got Lucas Reichel, Connor Bedard. He shaves like a full year two or two yeah. off of a rebuild, but a rebuild takes like eight years. But we can't just keep looking at we can't just keep looking at bad teams and going ah we'll just dump it on them. Like we can't look. Well, at, I mean, you get something back if you're Chicago. Like there'll be a sweetener yeah, for sure, which is great. But like like they've already done that with Peter Mrazek, and look, it got mm. them the first overall pick. That's great. But like, how much longer are they can do this? We can't look at Arizona and go like all right, we'll just dump all our bad stuff in Arizona. They're not the right. waste. The, the garbage island floating in the middle of the, the ocean. And then, and then on top of that with the Oilers, Evan, you mentioned Evan Bouchard, the surprise of the playoffs. A mm -hmm. guy who, 23 years old, who showed he can legitimately be like maybe a top pair defenseman moving oh, forward. Easy. Absolutely. Yeah. He needs a new contract right now. Yeah. And, you know, this is a team that was $8 million over the salary cap. 8.5, I believe it was, mm -hmm. uh, uh, over the salary cap when he was making $863,000. And they don't have a ton of money coming off the books. Yeah. They they have to they're hoping to improve on the team that they have right now, and they have to give a, and they have to give this guy potentially ten times the amount of money he was making last year. Yeah. Maybe maybe you know like seven. I don't know, but it's going to be like what is what does a Evan Bouchard extension look like if he's going for term? If you're not bridging him, if you're going for term, right now I feel like the number is like it starts with a six. I think. It's funny. I was gonna say seven. Oh really? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think bottom line it starts with a six. Yeah. But he, this is a, I mean this is this is this seven is seven and seven. This is a right shot, yeah. offensive, like twenty three year old big puck mover power yeah. play anchor for the next decade if you want. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I would go I would go like seven and seven if I was Bouchard's agent. That's cool. So I that, know you could go eight, but I feel like you know you want to have a little flexibility like. I don't know the math of like when he would be eligible for UFA status. It probably you're, you're probably buying at least a couple of years of US, UFA, or at least one there. Um, so you want that flexibility if you're Bouchard and his. Reps. So that takes up all of their cap space. All of it's gone after that. Yeah. So like, like I said, and, and again, Jack Campbell, like on a good team, he's not going to be a good goalie. But on a bad team where expectations are so much lower, like. 
He can be competent. Yeah, we've, yeah. We've seen it. We've seen it. Oh, absolutely. We've seen it. He can be more than competent. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe he even gets his groove back when there's not a lot of pressure on him. So that's what I'm saying, whether it's, you know, Chicago or San Jose or, you know, a team that is still, like, on the way up. Yeah. I'm not even saying he spends the entire five years there. No, absolutely. You're right. Maybe right? at that point he's del- elsewhere. He retires even. Like, who knows? Who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe in three years, like, the St. Louis Blues are, you know, in the market for just, like... A guy. A guy. Yeah. And $5 million, you know... With, I mean, the cap's going to go up. But, okay. So $5 million in five years or even four years is more like three and a half. Yeah, that's, that's an argument I really want to make. Right. But I do not trust the salary. Like, we, that's, that's the argument that the Leafs signed all of their big four court contracts on. True. Thinking that, oh, by this point, it's, the cap's going to be $9 million. It'll be yeah. fine. And then the entire world shut down and our lives changed forever. Yes. And it kept... Um, I have actually a hot take here that I want right. that I want to pause it okay. um, before we move on from our Oilers conversation. But this might uh, uh, this this might extend our Oilers conversation a little bit. So I was thinking like, so I want to uh, the Giannis Antetokounmpo quote that he that he put out there after the first round where he's like, what right, it, right. what defines failure? What yep. defines success? It got me thinking, and I go, okay. So what I like to define as a successful team uh, is it, it, whether or not a, a year was successful for a team is a did they improve upon their result from last year? Uh-huh. Um, whether it's, like, even if they, they lose in the same round or eat whatever, like, did they get more games and did they show more fight, whatever. Yeah. And what did they learn? Right. You know, like, what lessons did they take away from this? Uh. Like, that, that shows, like, Chicago, you know, what did they learn? They learned that they can get through anything, basically, after this season. You know, like, and, and I look at the Leafs and I go, okay, obviously, disappointing playoff output. They had as clear of a run to, I think, the Stanley Cup final that they were going to get in this era, and they blew it. Mm. Uh-oh, want-want, like, unfortunate. Right. Um, but they learned a couple things. They learned, I think, at the trade deadline, maybe don't bring in seven new guys. Uh-huh. I think that might upset some chemistry. It might be tough to get guys together, all that. And I think they also learned, paramount enough, is that um, what it takes to get to win a playoff series. Uh-huh. That's a tangible f- feather in their cap. It's the bare minimum, but still a feather in their cap. Uh-huh. That they can go, okay, we know what it's like to knock off a very intense opponent uh, um, to get to move forward. Mm. Then I look at the Oilers and I go, okay. They didn't improve on their their uh, their outcome from last year. Right. They they made it to the conference final. Yeah, they got swept, but they got swept by the most dominant uh, uh, Stanley Cup winner of the Cap era. Yeah. The Chicago the, uh, the Chicago the Colorado Avalanche last year were they just bulldozed their way to the Stanley Cup. Yeah. We saw it. Remarkable. The Oilers, yes, they got swept, but they they made they made it that far to the Eastern or uh, the Western Conference final mm. with a team that I would say definitely on paper demonstrably worse than this Edmonton Oilers team. That Edmonton Oilers team had, like, the corpse of Duncan Keith playing top four minutes. Yeah. Cody Ceci on the top pair. Uh, uh, Mike Smith literally handing a goal away to a team every game. Right. Um, and, then I, and then I go, okay, so they, they, they downgraded on that. I, like, what did, what did they learn? I don't think they learned anything. I think this, I think when we're talking about whether or not what, whose season was a failure, I think the Edmonton Oilers had far more of a failure-type season than the Toronto Maple Leafs did. I mean, I can understand that because they didn't go as far as they did last year, but I think the Oilers at this point know that it's like, it's the goaltending stupid. You know, it's like, that's the thing where it's like, we we, we thought we had the option in Jack Campbell. That was 
a misstep in retrospect. But Mike Smith got them to the third round with like. Yeah. But when Mike Smith wasn't giving the puck away, he was also having some incredible games. Like he was very roller coaster. Yeah. Um, so they're like, okay, let's get somebody that's a little more consistent, and then they didn't, and that's why I'm saying like. You get a veteran, you know, like a big name, uh, you know, obviously you got to make some moves to make it work cap-wise. Although, you know, like Varlamov might say like, hey, I'll do it for three million, like I want to get a cut. Sure, I'll take a pay hit, I'll pay, take a pay cut to go to Edmonton. Right. Sounds fun. That's right. what I want to do. That's my life goal. Hey. Um, <laughs> you know, just, hey. Hey, what are you, uh, you know. What are you, you going to do? Cups is cups. Yeah, no, it's true. Right, it's, true. it's true. It's um, true. But I, I think that's what they learned. And, you know, I mean, the other benefit is Evan Bouchard. Yes. They've, they've they found a guy that can do a lot of amazing things for mm. them and really broke out this year. Um, so I think that was important. Um, but I, I also think at this point, Edmonton's, it's just like Stanley Cup or bust. Like, yeah. they have the weapons. Yes. So it's just a matter of, like, refining the product. Yeah. I think, well, yeah, you're right. So when it comes to learning things, Edmonton did learn that they have, like, potentially, like, an anchor of their defense core for the next, like I said, like decade. Yeah. Like at least. Yeah. They, like this guy's 23 years old. Yeah, and now Darnell Nurse doesn't have to play like 27 minutes a night. Good thing they paid him $9.25 million to shelter him. That's that's a great idea. Not shelter, um, just like. Well, you know, no, I know. But I mean, when you're paying a guy. Him into the when you're paying a guy, I believe, more than Kale McCarr, uh. um, you should probably want to be able to ride him the same way that you do, that the, the Avalanche do Kale McCarr. So right. I think that's an unfortunate thing, but like, Learning that you have, at, like, in 10 years, Evan Bouchard will be the same age as Matias Ekholm. So, boom. But I also think that, like, you, you got all these... You, I think the Edmonton Oilers had the best trade deadline. Like, I get... Yeah. Like, I was... Like I said, I, we saw... You have the tape here. Like, I was really hard on Ken Holland. So, like, you have a nuclear weapon. Right. And you're not finding a way to deploy it. And then he went out and he got... He did everything they need to do. Yeah. Like, outside of getting, like, Connor Hellebuck in a blockbuster. Right. Like, they got Matias Ekholm, who is just... Like the the Tetris piece that fit perfectly and allowed everyone to do everything they they needed to do, yeah. and then even on top of that, they went out and got Nick Bukestad, who I think was a phenomenal thing yeah. because he gave that bottom six depth that. And then, but then you look at when when you know push came to shove, um, like like th that bottom six depth it went completely away. Mm -hmm. you know, Nugent Hopkins uh, dried up. Evander Kane, the only thing he was doing was crossing people in the face. He dried up. Zach Hyman playing hurt, he dried up. Uh, the only the only people who were scoring was like occasionally Clem Costin, right? And, and and that's it. And I think that that at least like you talk about stars wilting under the stretch like, or, or down the stretch like Leon Dreisaitl, he was setting playoff records and whatnot. He'll probably end up being the leading goal scorer of the playoffs this year. And he only got to the sixth game of the second round. Mm -hmm. He had one even strength point in the last four games of the series, yeah. and that was his only point in the last four games of the series. Um, he had seven even strength uh, uh, points in the entire playoffs, and he had 18 points overall. I mean, like, on top of that also, you had, this was like, I believe, if you compare the two playoff series, I believe this series had like at least three, I believe it was four times as many penalties per, uh, uh, in, in, in total than the, the Leafs and Panthers series had. Yeah. So if you have, if you have a, a power play that is operating at almost a 50% clip, that should likely give you an advantage. Yeah. It's still even pushing to seven. I would say like this is going to be, we talk about the Leafs having a tough summer, and I absolutely think it is, and both of these teams really only need to tweak things, yeah. obviously, but I think the Oilers have a much more difficult offseason considering their cap crunch and the fact that like, look, they have, I honestly think the Oilers are sitting in a position much like the Leafs were last year, 
where like, okay, well, they, to get rid of Jack Campbell, they're going to have to give up a huge package that's like more than what the Leafs gave up to dump Morazic on right. the same team that you're suggesting. Yeah. Keep in mind that Blackhawks team still has Peter Morazic. Yep. Um, they have to pay. They have to pay this guy. Uh, they have to pay their their you know hotshot twenty three year old RFA, and they have li- very little space to do it in. And then they have to try and improve on a bottom six uh, that is already you know th- that that is already making a lot of money and didn't come through. It's mm. going to be tough, I think, for the Oilers. Certainly. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of, uh, but in the complete opposite vein, yeah, a team that we look at six failure and success in in a season. Mm. I don't think any team just from just from that rudimentary definition I put out there. I don't think any team succeeded more this year than the Seattle Kraken. For sure. I think they learned, they, 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 they went through a f- medical school in one season, basically, when yeah, it comes yeah. to what did they learn. They took their LSATs, they yeah. went through, like it was. They are Doogie Hauser NHL. I was, and I know we're supposed to be impartial. <laughs> Goodness gracious was I cheering for them last night. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted a Vegas Seattle thing so badly. I am rooting for this team so much. Like, I love them. I love how they're scored by committee. I love how they're, they, you know, they have this very front, front, uh, smart front office. Mm. I love everything about it. Great, great. So the Seattle Kraken, unfortunately, they lose 2-1. I mean, they, they, they put up a fight at the end. You know, two, they lose 2-1. They, 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 they make it a 2-1 game with 17.4 seconds left. Yeah. Um, tough, tough, tough. But it, does any team have a, have a sunnier outlook on their future? Then I would say the the Seattle Kraken, like any team that made the playoffs, let's yeah, say. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, like, I mean, they're very interesting because they did so much by committee that you can't really point to one player, like yeah. other than like Ty Cartier, yeah, coming in like out of nowhere and uh, and really helping out. Um, you know, you, you can't really point to one guy and be like, okay, he's gonna be like leagues better next year. I mean, we'll see more from Matty Beniers because yeah. he is still so young. So I guess you know, there's Matty Beniers. Um, and then, you know, like, how does Shane Wright fit onto the roster next season? The interesting thing is, like, Coachella Valley, also in their first yes. year, still in the AHL playoffs right now. Yeah, I mean, and Shane Wright's playing for them. Yeah, yeah, and, I mean, a tough series. They're playing the Calgary Wranglers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, sort of interesting that they're still going. I will say one name to keep in mind for the future okay. is Ryan Winterton who is playing for the London Knights, okay. uh, and they're in the OHL final. His line for the Knights, he's got two draft-eligible players with him in Easton Town and Denver Barkey. They have been incredible the entire postseason. Okay. And Ryan Winterton is one of those OHL players that missed a whole year of development mm-hmm. uh, when the, the league was canceled during the pandemic. So a little more under the radar than maybe some other kids his age, but... Uh, he's been amazing uh, the past two years now. So there's a player where, you know, you're, you're starting to see the pipeline really sort of solidify in Seattle. They had a great draft last year, obviously, with a bunch of extra picks. Um, and, you know, again, like I think they could probably use a bit of an upgrade in net, uh, but they're also kind of playing with house money at this point mm-hmm. because they are so fresh. And it was good to see them get that playoff run, it's obviously going to help the fan base solidify and bring in more fans. Um, but yeah, just a really interesting team because they're just solid. Like, I think they're just going to be a pain to play in the playoffs for a couple of years. And then it's just a matter of, okay, can they get, like, real game breakers? Like, is mm-hmm. it, like, is it Beneers, Bjorkstrand, 
that kind of lead the charge. Vince Dunn on the back end. Uh, I, I he needs a new contract, though. That's the thing. Well, they better sign him to one because yes. he lets yeah. them scoring. Yeah. <laughs> so is that sort of your triangle for the near future? Mm-hmm. Is it a Beneers, Bjorkstrand, Dunn offense? Right. In there as well. And Shane, yeah. In the in the near future, I don't know what kind of numbers Shane okay. Wright's going to yeah. put up because this is such a committee team. Mm-hmm. And if you had to, you know, because they have so many forwards, and, you know, Jared McCann, another yeah. one, um, you know, does Shane Wright start off in a middle six, even bottom six role, which he can obviously take on because he's a 200 I think that's player. even better. It is, but yeah. you, you might not see the numbers right no, away. No, you're right, yeah. Even though he will give you positive contributions. What's great about them is they, they are very, you know, team by committee. They have a lot of guys locked up to contracts that are in the 4.5, 3.5, 5.5 max, like the most anyone's making on this team is Grubauer. And look, really bad, like sample size aside, like bad, you know, two regular seasons, I would say. Yeah. Um, somehow they overcame it this year um, by going to the playoffs. But he, he did everything they could to help them win. Like if that, if in the playoffs, if that is the Grubauer they're getting from here on out, mm. the 916 save percentage Grubauer, like he doesn't even have to be his Vesna nominee self. But if that's what they're getting, this is a whole different ball game we're talking about here. And, um, you know, they have... They just have a very good uh, uh, sort of like core of very competent players yeah. that, that can play. Like you, you can throw out any line and you're going to have guys who are just very solid. I would like, they, like Veneers, I think, will one day grow into that sort of like, you know, real high end weapon. He's yeah. already on his way to doing that. Yeah, I'm wondering if he turns into kind of a Dylan Larkin in yeah. terms of just like impact. Yeah, and Dylan Larkin. Point per game guy, like yeah. over that very, you know, you can put him in any situation. Yeah. Great. Um, and then obviously, like you, you have you, you. What I loved about them too is they got contributions out of guys who you weren't expecting. They found they found Ty Cartier. Yeah. Like they they signed his undrafted free agent. That's right. Um, you know, Daniel Sprung. They brought him back and he gave them everything. Like that is a guy. Eli Tolvanen. Eli Tolvanen. Waiver waiver pickup. Yeah. I think the fact they get that that naturally even put him on waivers was ridiculous in the first place. But they pounce. They were able to yeah, get they yeah. get him. Um, you know, uh, the Oliver Bjorkstand trade is just like, it's, no one talks about it, but like they traded a third and a fourth for a guy who is maybe their best forward other than Jared McCann. That like, was, that was Ron Francis's, uh, version of the George McPhee expansion. Yes. Yeah. In Vegas. But like it, yeah. it happened a year later. It happened a year like, later. And that's why everybody was mad at Ron Francis after year one, but mm-hmm. then he had an immense summer. Yes. He had his, uh, his sophomore, like. Yeah. I, I, I think I bloomed in high school in grade 10, you know, my sophomore year. I think that's what, that's what uh, uh, Ron Francis is doing, you, you know. Go. He had that weird grade 9 freshman year, but now, right. he's, now he's confident. Exactly. He's got a Letterman jacket. He's, good. he's, you know, he's working on a stash. He's, he's throwing kids in lockers. You know, he's having fun. Um, but I, look, I look at this roster, and yeah, they'll sign Vince Dunn. He'll likely, he was making $4 million last year. Well, you'll probably get 6.57 this year, oh, like something like eight. that. You think eight? Hey, he hasn't been scoring. Yeah, and he's 26. That's true. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know he's a right shot, all yeah. that. So yeah. Um, but this is a, this is a phenomenally talented team. Mm-hmm. I like. There's not much else. Like they 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 have prospects that are coming up. Yeah. Um, they have a very sort of front facing, mm-hmm. uh, uh, forward thinking front office that will f- hopefully continue to find these yeah. diamonds in the rough. Um, and then they have a great core and seems to be culture. And biggest surprise to me is the fact that 
they have a, they employ a great system coached by a guy who, you know, got nominated for the Jack Adams this year and Dave Haxtell. I think that was the biggest surprise for me is that Dave Haxtell proved himself to be like the, the perfect steward for this team, the perfect yeah. shepherd. Uh, uh, whereas I was wondering last year, I'm like, is Dave Haxtell really like, yeah. Is, and then boom, there you go. He's, this seems to be his perfect landing spot. That's right. And he's just power posing in, in press conference. And did you see, have you seen I that picture? See that, no. Oh, he's got, it's, and it's true, but like he'll always, He'll always come off from from morning skate and do his uh, his media availability. He's still got skates on. And he'll just stand there like this, like nice. you do the Superman pose. Looks like he looks like my dad when I'm a, when he knows I'm about to give him a disappointing report card. He's got that like firm brow. Right. Uh, yeah. But anyway, like there's not much else I can really say about about the Kraken other than what a great team. Yeah. Love them. Keep on it. Keep on it. All right, Ryan. There is a new era of orange. Yes. That has hit us. Um, the the Philadelphia Flyers. You know, they, it was a disappointing season. So they want new progressive voices. They want new progressive perspectives. Mm-hmm. So they have hired two guys who have played and been in that organization um, for the last at least decade. Right. Um, I, you know, just totally going in line with what they're talking about with new fresh voices. What do you think of Keith Jones, president of hockey operations, Daniel Briere, no longer interim GM. He yeah. is the GM. Yeah, so... I think if the if the place for Keith Jones is more of a public facing job, yes, uh, I think that's fine. That I because think that's he's phenomenal. coming from broadcasting. Yeah. Um, Everyone loves Keith Jones. That's yeah, the thing. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and as long as it's not like a Pierre Maguire situation, then I think the Flyers are fine there. Um, with Briere, he has obviously been, uh, you know, groomed for this job. You know, mm-hmm. starting off with the Maine Mariners. Uh, you know, there's talk of him going to Montreal at one point in an executive capacity. So I'm I'm withholding judgment because I really don't have a book on these guys mm. in terms of experience. Um, but it's it's going to be big because the Flyers, um, you know, they're not in a good spot right now. And surgery is needed. Um, Pipeline-wise, you know, they got Cutter Gauthier in the, in the pipeline right now, but he's still in college. And it's going to be a very interesting summer. So that's where I'm at. I, don't, I guess I don't know how I feel yet. I'm, I'm willing to give them a chance, but I don't know a book on them. Yeah, you know, I think we give everyone a chance here. Um, I think I think when it comes to I think if being a PR conduit kind of like being the spokesperson mm-hmm. in, in a way for the front office or for yeah. the team, you know the guy who's cutting ribbons and standing at podiums and whatnot. I think if that's the the a lot of what Keith Jones's job is, I think that's phenomenal because he's he's beloved in that fan base. He's beloved across the league. I've heard literally nothing but amazing things about Keith Jones. And obviously a, a great Rolodex, which yes, will help. Exactly. Yeah, I've heard literally nothing but glowing things about Keith Jones as a person. Yeah. Everyone seems to love who he is. Um, and obviously, Daniel Briere, look, I, I got to give him credit that he began um, at the bottom. Right. Like, obviously, you know, everyone's going to go, oh, former player, whatnot. But, like, he, he, and I remember reading a piece about this uh, where they, they, like, I think, might have been athletic, I don't know, followed him around for a week while he was running the Maine Mariners and yep. running an ECHL team. Not the uh, not the super sexy thing as it is. Like, he, this, he was, he's, like, booking bus drivers and, you know, like, making sure the... Uh, the, the, you know, the soda machine is stocked, like money ball stuff. Right. Um, but he, uh, so I, I got to give him credit for the fact that instead of being, he's like, I'm a former player, you know, like put me as a scout and then slowly, you know, like, like have me in the, 
Ned slowly put me in, in, in the front office. He was like, no, I'll start like at the lowest level I can yeah. in an organization. I will run the day-to-day, -day, so I will get my hands on everything that it takes to run a hockey team. That's, you know, like travel schedules. That's, uh, you know, hotel accommodations. Mm. That's, uh, you know, lug like luggage tracking, you know, like all that kind of stuff on top of all the hockey op stuff. And then eventually I will, I will move my way up. The one thing is, though, is that, like again, the big the thing that plagues this this organization is that they have like a, an Illuminati of of former right. of former players. Yeah. Like like they literally have an old boys club. They do where they sit around after games and drink red wine and whatnot. Like and 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 that's that's a big point of contention in the fan base. It's a big point of contention in their in their reputation across the league after that. Yeah. And how they went to go and they have a chance to like embark upon a new era. And how they and, and their their what they did is they had a chance to to sort of inject some new blood in there. And the two guys that they hired have zero hockey ops experience in an NHL front office. Yeah. Um, you know, like Jalen Briere was a uh, uh, was a special advisor um, to GM Chuck Fletcher, who shot, who doesn't by the way doesn't have a job right now. Mm -hmm. So you know, may, hope maybe he was giving him great advice and Chuck was just ignoring it. But I, like if I was special advisor to to Enron. Right. Uh, you know, maybe I wouldn't be getting another <laughs> job, right? And so, uh, it, it, th like these two guys, they have no experience, and they are flyers through and through. They yeah. they could you could tell me <clears throat> you could tell me these two guys are part of the old boys club, and I believe you, you know, and uh, everything's saying they're not, but like it just from an optics perspective and from uh, an opportunity perspective to go out and get a new sort of like progressive voice, yeah, young or old doesn't matter. They went with uh, two literally, like literal known commodities. It yeah. just seems a little disappointing to me. That's fair. Yeah, but and on top of that too is that I've never, never been a huge fan of a GM inheriting a coach. Fair. I always feel like it. It it never usually mm. continues that way. Like it uh. never, unless the GM was already in the the organization yeah. or like was already was already the AGM. Like when Julian Breezeball got not like got bumped up. Sure. Like he was already part of that. He helped like drive John Cooper to the rink when he got hired, like that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. But like I've never been a fan of a guy coming in from out from in and then having a coach already there because it never lasts. You always yeah. see it, you always see it go like one or two years. They always say, Oh, we're gonna work together, I have a lot of respect for him, and then eventually push comes to shove. They wanna everyone wants to have their own guy. Right. So it does feel like now Tortorella, like, you know, you can't fire Torts after I mean, didn't stop the Vancouver Canucks, but like you can't fire Torts after one year. Yeah. But it just seems like, like it just seems like now he's on borrowed time. Like it just seems now after next year, after the year after, just gonna be like, all right, well now Danny Breer or now uh, 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 Keith Jones, they want their own guy, so Torts is out. Yeah, I from what I've read though, I think that Tortorella is gonna play kind of an outsized role in the brain trust because he has so much experience, and I think that's part of the package. It's almost gonna be like a bit of a triumvirate there. That makes me less optimistic. <laughs> Fair enough, but I'm just telling you. No, no, I, I. I'm not shooting the messenger. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. But but when it like just from the straight up like, I feel like having John Tortorella be more into the, John having John Tortorella give more of an insight into, um, like the hockey operations mm. uh, instead of the coaching. Right. I feel like that's not a great move. So we'll have to see. But then again, Indeed. who knows? There who knows? Go. All right, Ryan, let's tee up the conference finals here. Let's do it. We have Vegas and Dallas. Yes. And then we have. Carolina and Florida. Yes. Which one do you want to start off with first? Let's go. Let's go east. Let's do east. All right. East. Carolina, Florida. I think this is going to be. Look, as far as they're, they're not traditional markets, but you know, everyone's had the whole thing about this is. You know, we talked extensively on Staff and Graph yesterday about how mm. 
This is great for for the game. Yep. Like it's gonna you know shine a light onto these markets. So we don't have to cover that. Yeah. Let's do hockey. Totally. I think this is gonna be a knock them down, drag them out series. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure who I'm taking in this one. I'm the same way. It's like I'm, I'm pretty confident that it's going to go seven games yes. unless something disastrous happens to one of the squads. And it's like I'm leaning Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, at the same time, I'm at the point where I'm never going to count the Panthers out. You just, it's a fool's errand at this point. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you break things down, it's like they're both like hard to play against. They both have great four checks. Uh, they win in different ways, where Carolina is obviously the defensively superior team. Mm-hmm. Florida is the offensively superior team. Uh, it's like I never like to bet against Matthew Kachuk. Yes. Uh, but at the same time, it's like Jacob Slavin is like, you know, just under the radar, one of the best players in the game. Uh, he just doesn't do sexy things out there. Um, goaltending, I would say, is pretty much a wash at this point yeah. because Bobrovsky... <laughs> would be an obvious Con Smythe contender at this point. Excuse um, me. At the same time, you like Frederick Anderson is giving Carolina exactly what they need, and then Tavo Teravainen's coming back. So, mm-hmm. what does that mean for Carolina's depth, which well, that's is already huge, pretty good? That's a huge addition. Yeah. So, you know, like I'm gonna say Carolina in seven, but. It, under the proviso that if it was Florida in seven, I would not be shocked by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I don't trust either either goalie as far as I can throw him. Yes. I really don't. I feel like... But it's even in that respect. Exactly. No, 100%. <laughs> like, you're yeah. right. And I, I think that's, that's great. Like, yeah. I think both goalies are giving their teams exactly what they need. Yeah. And I also, like... Would, when does it stop? Exactly. I would, yeah. I'm just as confident that either goalie could fall apart who disappear into dust and just got snapped by Thanos, like in, in yeah. the first game. Game one could end ten to nine. Who knows? <laughs> um, I do. Probably not. I think, like again, do not count out Florida. Mm. Like we just saw what they can do to a team. Yeah. Uh, to two teams, like two of the best teams in the league. Yeah. Like like the greatest regular season team of all time, and then a team that, if that team didn't exist, would be challenging for the President's Trophy. Yeah. Um, teams with elite talent. Teams with very good goaltending. Teams you know that have championship aspirations. They both did have home ice, they you know, and boom, they 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 were able to knock them off. Um, I, I think that's remarkable. But I look at Carolina and I go, this team is so well coached. Uh-huh. This team is like, they they're like a, a like you you saw John Wick three, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so you know when uh, um, when like the ninjas are invading the the ballerina uh, uh, sort of like the like a, a studio. Yeah, the Ballerius studio. Yeah. And, like, they just kind of come out of the shadows and, like, in three seconds they've sliced people in half. Yeah. Like, they just go, like, shh, shh, and, yeah. like, they just move on like it's nothing. Yeah. That is what the Carolina Hurricanes are to me. Like, they're just, like, so well-trained that they can just come out of nowhere and just go, like, bam, bam, bam. All right, we just d- disabled all your internal organs. You're done. Yeah. Um, and whereas Florida is more like the brawlers. Like, they're, they're the, they're the beat them out, drag them out, like, literally beat them up. Yeah. Like, the more guys we can injure, the better. And, look, it's the playoffs, so, like, if, they, if you're gonna let them get away with murder, they're gonna murder people, oh. just gonna happen. Um, I do think Carolina comes out on top. I think they have just a smidge more depth. I think they have a, they have a smidge more structure in their game. Um, but I think this is gonna be a phenomenal series. I think this is going to be entertaining. And I think if, if Tara Vina was still injured, I would give the edge to Florida, I honestly would, because mm-hmm. this is a team that you also cannot discount like swagger and confidence right. in the playoffs. And yeah. this is a team that 
I don't, no team in, in the league is feeling themselves more than the, the Florida Panthers. Right, they, they, feel, they, they feel like they're invincible right now. And you know yeah. what? They might be. Yeah. Um, Plus, they can still play the nobody believes in this card. Exactly. Yes. And that is the, like, we've seen teams jump through hoops to, like, the friggin' Tom Brady-era Patriots would play that. Right, like, right. Like, you know, we've seen, that is essential, and they can play that. Yeah. Um, and they'll likely have to play it again because I am picking the Carolina Hurricanes. But it's going to be, like, as close as it gets, totally. I think. And yeah. it'll be entertaining. Um, all right, then we go on to uh, the Western Conference, which is Vegas and Dallas. Yeah, so this one's pretty fascinating to me because Vegas obviously has some tremendous guns up front, yep. and they've been getting good goaltending um, of late from Aiden Hill. Uh, Jake Ottinger on the other side for Dallas, I feel like... He got pulled twice last year. He got pulled twice, but... Here's the fantastic stat okay. provided to me by the NHL. Hear me. Uh, hit me. This season, regular and playoffs, he is 14 and 0 and 0 after a regulation loss. Whoa, really? He's, he's doing the Vasilevsky. I was going to say. Yeah. So, if you're Dallas, you know that you have a goalie that's always going to bat. He literally always bounces back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously, uh, you know, game 7, um, you know, against Seattle, he had to be good, and he was. He, he gave them what they needed to do. Uh, Rupi Hintz would be, you know, sort of my cons, my favorite yeah. for Dallas, you know, leading them in scoring. But it's also interesting, because, you know, we've talked about Joe Pavelski and what he's done. But Max Domi has given them tremendous secondary oh, scoring. Oh, absolutely. Uh, they're getting great contributions uh, throughout. Miro Heiskanen, I feel, is on a mission. Um, under most underrated player in the league. I'll say it every yeah, single episode. Yeah, so it feels to me like Dallas is the advantage here, but having said that, Jack Eichel has been the one who was promised for Vegas. <laughs> He's fulfilling and, the prophecy. Yeah, yeah, I also felt it was it was very sort of like, I don't know what the word is, movie-esque, whatnot. That cinematic. It was Jack, cinematic, yeah. That it was Jack Eichel that stripped Connor McDavid of the puck yeah. to get the empty netter to end po- that series. Poetic, if Poetic, you I suppose, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, you got Eichel, you got Mark Stone, you got Marcia So, you got Riley mm-hmm. Smith. Like, Vegas knows who they are. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's big, but I just feel like Dallas has been one of those teams that I've been eyeing from the beginning because yeah. they just feel like they've got all the elements. So I'm going to stick with Dallas, and I'm actually going to say six. I, I'm going to feel like they're going to impose their will enough that they get it done in six. Okay. I do think I think that the Stars are a phenomenal team. I think that goaltending should give them the edge. Um, but the thing is, Ottinger he got pulled twice. I do love that they have Wedgwood there, though. I mm-hmm. think he's the, the a perfect modern backup, like a guy who's always ready to go mm-hmm. and can step in for stretches. I really like Vegas, though. Like I really, That's fair. I mean, like I love I love their their talent up front. I love their experience. Mm-hmm. Goaltending is the one thing that's wishy washy, obviously. But like we've seen, anyone can go on a heater. Yep. Like Joseph Wall almost saved the Leaf season there. You know, like you know, one thing one bounce goes the other way, and we're, yeah. we're having a very different conversation right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, like Vegas, they have the Petrangelo and, and Shea Theodore and Nick Hague you know, yeah. on the back end. They you know Mark Stone in the playoff series, even a banged up Mark Stone. Mm-hmm. You know Jack Eichel, Marcia So is on a mission too. Like when you need the most natural hat trick. Yeah. Like, like uh, you know, in the elimination game, like, you know, William Carlson, Riley Smith. Yeah. You have Phil Kessel if you need him. Yeah. Like, I, I really, they're getting, they're getting depth scoring from Michael Amadio, you know? Oh. Like, 
I, I am gonna go Vegas in seven, right. only because also they have home ice advantage. Right. Um, and I think that that might give them a little bit of an edge because that Vegas crowd is, is unreal. Yeah. The, not, not taking away anything away from the Dallas crowd, which I think is also unreal. Apparently yeah. do a great thing. This is, uh, Greg Wyshynski tweeted this, where they play like a movie soundtrack before a game. Yeah, I, I saw that. that. And I'm like, dude, if you're playing, and you think he mentioned like the Dark Knight Rises, which is the most banger of the Nolan Batman soundtracks. Right. I'm like, man, that would get me hyped up. Like, I would be ready to, to you know, jump on the ice myself. There you go. Um, so I'm going to take Vegas. It's going to be very, I think it's going to be razor thin, like, mm -hmm. it, like it is in the other series. And this yeah. could just be wishful thinking. We're going, both series are going to go seven. It's going to be a remarkable hockey. But um, I do think that, that Vegas's sort of, like, high-end talent, their, their, uh, um, their depth, and the fact that like they just they seem to have a lot of guys who have like been there before, sure. you know. Yep. Like, yep. Um, I do think that it's going to give them the edge. But I would be happy to eat my words. I think I think eat, whoever wins this is it's going to be fun hockey regardless. Mm -hmm. Like this is not one of those situations where like in the bubble where I'm like for the love of the like for the love of the the future of the sport like please let the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the New York right. Islanders in the bubble right. because if if the league starts to cop, like copycat the Islanders yeah. I'm just going to go cover curling or something like I can't right. do this um, so yeah but I'm taking I'm going to take Vegas fair yeah all right Ryan I have rapid fire yes you do um, and I, I did a lot of research for this one. Excellent. Um, so both of us we love succession. Yes. You know uh, uh, you know we're coming out is the is the next episode the last one? I feel there's two more. I feel like there's I two more, yeah. Um, I was just wondering whether I need to be sad or not. Um, but uh, uh, we also love Arrested Development. Yes. And these are, two, these are also two shows about two you know, wealthy families uh, uh, you know, with flawed, potentially, potentially to be incarcerated patriarchs. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, crazy stuff. So what I wanted to do for Rapid Fire is I wanted to go through some quotes and go, is it Arrested Development? Is it from Arrested Development? Is it from Succession? Yes. Now this this idea was pitched to me, or not pitched to me. This idea I, I got inspiration. I believe College Humor did a very short version of this in one of their their things. So I want to say that, but I, I expanded it. Okay. So I want to say you know you get a point for obviously for guessing from which show. Okay. You also get a bonus point for telling me which character said it. All right, great. Yeah. All right. So, I'm so ready. here we go. Mm -hmm. So the first one, relatively easy. This will get you get you going. Yep. If it is to be said, so it be. So it is. That's got to be Cousin Greg. It's Greg yeah. uh, from Succession in his deposition uh, in front of Congress. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Next one. But then, who ends up King Potato? Ooh, that's, that's Arrested Development. And in terms of who said it, I'm, I'm going to say, ooh, I don't know if it's Job or Tobias. Those would be my guesses. But I'm going to say Arrested Development. You were incorrect. Really? That is Tom. Saying that, oh. uh, I believe that is Tom when they are when they go on their uh, uh, they go to that convention where uh -huh. the, they get, then get roasted because the cruise stuff comes out. Oh. I believe he, that's where he's speaking with uh, the shiv there. Uh -huh. um, next one is I'd rather be dead in California than alive in Arizona. That's Arrested Development, yeah. and that's Lucille. That's Lucille Bluth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next one, I hear the jury's still out on science. That's Arrested Development mm -hmm. as well. Look, can you tell me which character? Uh, is that something Michael said sarcastically? It is Job. It's Job. Yes, okay. it is Job. Uh, they say you know, like science, like uh, scientists say our our. Uh, I think it's our, our uh, model home thing is like it's a sinkhole, and he goes, "I hear the jury's still out on science." Um, next one is uh, uh, what I think he meant to say was that he wished mom gave birth to a can opener because it would have been more useful. 
Wow. That sounds like succession, and I'm going to, that sound, to me, that sounds like a Roman. That you got both of them correct. Boom. There you go. Excellent. Next one is, you've got a stew going. Oh, Carl Weathers. Yeah. I thought I was going to get you with that one, no but way. yeah. Boom. And yeah. the last one, I thought you were backwash at the bottom of the gene pool, but this is something else. That's succession. That's yeah. a recent one. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me who said it? You know what? Yeah, that's uh, that's Lucas Matson. It is. Yes. Ryan, Excellent. look at you. You only got one wrong. Boom. And you got all the characters right and everything too, pretty much. That's beauty. That's uh, that's pretty well, pretty remarkable. So yeah, there you go. Another. I I might make this a recurring segment because that was a lot of fun to that look up. That was fun. Uh, that was good. Two of the best written shows in TV, I would say. Indeed. It's great. Uh, on that note, reached the end of the podcast. Uh, we will be back to obviously cover the two conference finals, and any of the crazy stuff that happens then. But until then, uh, you know, enjoy your week, and uh, we'll see you next time.